Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. I've said this many, many, many times before, but it's always so cool when the Lord orchestrates a morning like this morning, and it all kind of feeds in and ties into what the Lord's put on my heart to share with you this morning. So, um, yeah, it's just praise God. Just praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's so good. So, the title of my sermon is Of God. Of God. I want you guys to start turning to Galatians 5. Well, I kind of introduce and set the stage here. Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 34. Now, there's a lot going on in the world right now. <laughs> to say the least, there, there is quite the upheaval all across the globe right now. And even in, just within our own region here in British Columbia, in Surrey, um, we have issues with COVID-19. There's lots of fear out there. there there's, there's lots of people that are living their lives in fear. Uh, we went into a, a shop uh, last weekend and they wanted to spray, um, there was the four of us, Heather, myself, and the girls, and they only would allow us in the shop if, we could sp if they could spray their, our hands with their sanitizer. And we had to leave the shop because um, Bethany said, well, she has uh, an allergy to aloe and their, their spray had aloe in it. And she says, well, I have my own, but we couldn't find it in her purse. And so we had to leave. We had to leave the shop. They were in so much fear that they could only use their sanitizer. And I, I had just actually sanitized my hands leaving the last shop that, that we went out of. And I said, oh, I've just sanitized my hands. They're like, I don't care. I want you to use my... Like, the fear... Ever heard... Fear is not rational. <laughs> not even close to rational. Do you know that physiologically in your body... If you start to live your life in fear, it actually shuts down your, your brain's ability to function and to think and to reason rationally, okay? So there's lots of people in this state right now. There's all the restrictions that we're having to deal with in our lives to do with COVID-19. Some that, well, let's just, yeah, they don't really make sense, do they, at all? <laughs> so, but we still have to adhere to them, and that's what we're doing here at church so that we can continue to have church. But you know what? It creates some, some stress and some, and some frustration. I mean, look at everybody, all the, the pent-up excitement about what God has been doing in people's lives. We had so many testimonies this morning. Oh, my, my, strength, my frame has been strengthened this morning. It was just, it was wonderful. But people need an outlet to talk about God. They need an outlet to talk about God. <laughs> then we have everything that's going on south of the border. <laughs> they have been having a time of it over these last few months since the uh, presidential election in November of last year. 
and they've been having some riots lately and some protests that haven't gone so well and they're talking about trying to impeach President Trump now and he's only got 10 days left. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, just there's, and people are really concerned about um, uh, President-elect uh, Joe Biden coming in and, and the Democrats coming into power in the United States and they're, they're going to, you know, clamp down on a whole bunch of stuff and, and they're, they're going to um, make it difficult for Christians to do what Christians are supposed to do and, and um, they're, you know, anti-pro-life and just there, there's a whole bunch of stuff. People are in fear about it. People are upset about it. And they, they think that they need to do something about it. They have to do something about it. And then we think about our politics up here. And, <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't really matter what your, what your political bent is and stuff like that. We have issues at all levels of our government. You know, we... Um, in Surrey, we have a mayor that it, it is has decided to basically stop all capital projects in Surrey so that he can spend all the money that he can to switch over um, our police force to a Surrey police force from the RCMP and just some crazy things like that that are going on. And and we had our our provincial government who was in the minority decided to pull an election right in the middle of the pandemic so that they could get a majority, and they did get a majority and. Some people may like that, some people may not. But it, there's unrest is what I'm trying to get at. There's racial te tensions down in the States. And we're now they're talking about social media censorship of, of uh, Christianity. And uh, I'm painting kind of a bad picture because I want, I, this is what the world uh, without Christ is dealing with. This is what they're dealing with. I told everybody to turn to Galatians, and I forgot to turn to Galatians. <laughs> so we're in Galatians 5. All of this seems, people have a perception that this is all getting in the way of God's plan. <laughs> Let me say that again. People have the perception, Christians have the perception that this is getting in the way of God doing what God wants to do here on this earth. He has a plan. He's had a plan from the beginning of time for this earth. And people think that all of this stuff that's going on, the changing of the political um, regime in the United States and the COVID-19 restrictions and social media shutting down parlor and whatever else and, and clamping down on that kind of, that's going to change and hinder God's ability to do what he wants us to do and to do what he wants to do here in this earth through us. <laughs> no. <laughs> That is just not true at all in any way, shape, or form. So, we're everybody in Galatians 5. Have I told you what verse yet? 34. 34, almost to the end. No, I'm in Galatians 6. Come on. Why did I write Galatians 5.34? It's supposed to be Acts 5. <laughs> I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense at all. It's Acts 5. 
<laughs> okay, so you back up a couple books. Acts 5. There we go. There we go. <laughs> huh, I wonder what I was thinking when I wrote that down. So, just to set the stage here. So we're in Acts 5. Let me just change that. Otherwise, every time I look at that, I'm going to say Galatians. Acts 5. There we go. Verse starting. In, you guys are in verse 34. So, Peter and the apostles, they end up in jail for preaching. In the synagogues, in the marketplaces, all over the place. They end up in jail. And the council, the Sanhedrin, have thrown them in the common, the public jail, and overnight, and they want to talk to them the next morning. And then what happens is this angel comes and lets them out in the middle of the night. And now, understand this. He lets them out and orders them back to the temple to continue pre preaching this new life that they have been given through the Holy Spirit. Now, the interesting thing is when you read through the, script, the scriptures, the verses just before verse 34, it says that when they went to go and get Peter and all of the apostles to bring them in front of the Sanhedrin, it says that there was the, the jail was still secure. Nothing had happened to the jail from their own eyes. The door was still locked. The guards were there. There was no wall in the in there was no hole in the wall for them to get out of, but still the angel got them out and got them back preaching. Amen. Amen? That's our first testimony that God isn't going to be stopped. <laughs> Amen? Before I even get to the scriptures that I was really focusing on, God is not going to be stopped. They had no idea until they opened up the door. They're like, um, wait a second. There's nobody in here. Nobody came out. I didn't hear any banging of walls to put a hole there. So where have they all gone? And then somebody came and said, they're back in the temple. They're in the marketplace. They're preaching the word again. And so they brought them in front of the Sanhedrin. And they brought them back in front of there. And they're discussing these things with them. And then this one man, starting in verse 34. And it says, there stood there up one in the council so this guy is part of the Sanhedrin he is part of the council or shall we say the elected officials that make the rules for the Jewish nation at this point he's part of that group okay so he has a lot of power and he has a lot of authority there stood then stood there up one of the in the council a Pharisee named Gamaliel a doctor of law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. So he asked them to step out of the room for a second because he wanted to have a council with the rest of the council, basically is what he's saying there. Verse 35, And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. Take a moment to think about what you're going to do to these guys is what he's saying there. For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves to him, 
who was slain. So Theodos was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and were brought to naught. Nothing happened of what he wanted to try and do, is what it's saying. Verse 37, after this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing, or the census, and drew away much people after him, he also perished, he also died. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Nothing happened of it, nothing became of it. As soon as he was dead, they all went their own ways, and it became not, it, it had no consequence whatsoever. Verse 38, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. Don't touch them. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Let me read that part again. But if, ye, if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. What that's saying is, if you decide to resist these people, and they're actually doing something that God wants them to do, you're not going to be able to stop it you're not going to be able to stop it and you're going to find yourself actually butting your head against God. And you're the ones that are supposed to be actually for God. Yet if God has ordained this, what you're actually contravening, what you're actually here to do is to follow God and do what God wants you to do. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If it be of God, we cannot overthrow it. If it be of God, the changing of the political guard in the United States cannot change what God's going to do in the United States. If it be of God, no matter what social media does to try and, and um, suppress Christian um, literature going out there, Christian words going out there, it doesn't matter. Remember, social media has only been around for, what, 15 years? Something like that? Maybe a bit longer? So there's a whole lot of time before social media was even invented that the Word of God got out just fine. It spread across the nations just fine without the use of social media. But if it be of God, it cannot, you cannot overthrow it. Social media giants like Zuckerberg and whoever else owns all of this stuff, Google, cannot overthrow the Word of God. They cannot overthrow the Word of God. They cannot overthrow the Word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Let's turn to Isaiah 46. This one I know is right. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 46, and we're going to look, start in uh, verse 8. Isaiah 46, starting in verse 8, we're going to go to verse 11. It says, remember this, and show yourselves men, bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. 
Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Oh, hallelujah. Declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. He has declared the eight from ancient times, from the beginning of time, those things that have not yet been done. Oh, hallelujah. My counsel shall stand. Oh, hallelujah. And I will do all my pleasure. Mm, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that ex executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. And I will also do it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a good word of the Lord. Amen. Oh, glory be to God. None of those lists that I, that I talked about at the beginning has any bearing on this. Has any bearing on this. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Okay, let's turn over to Isaiah 55. That's just down the road a bit. I'm going to start in verse 9. Glory be to God. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 9. It says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, so it doesn't return to the earth, but, or sorry, return to the heavens, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So as the water and the snow comes down from the heavens, it's not going to return to the heavens until it starts to nurture that ground and buds grow and gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. It's, it sustains us, is what it's saying. Amen? And you think about the actual um, scientific cycle of rain and water. Rain comes down and saturates our land and it grows all the land. And then when the sun comes out, it starts to evaporate, and as it evaporates, it goes back up into the air, and then it forms into clouds again, and it comes back down, and it keeps going around in this cycle, right? Just exactly what he said here. Right. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been a while since I preached, <laughs> like November 11th. This is all kind of coming out. Woo! <laughs> it's going to be a fun morning. Praise God. <laughs> Verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. So his word that comes out of his mouth is going to be the same as the rain and the snow that he was just talking about in verse 10. That's what that's saying. It shall not return unto me void. It shall not come back to God without doing a work. It shall not come back to God without doing a work. As he speaks something out, it will do a work before it comes back to him. Just as the rain and the snow came down, it will do a work on this earth and bring forth blood, bring forth sustenance. His word shall come out and it shall bring us sustenance. It shall bring us seed to the sower and bread, spiritual bread to our souls, to our spirit man. In the name of Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah. But it shall accomplish that which I please. Notice it's that which I please. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. It shall prosper wherever I send it. It shall do a work wherever I send it. It will not come back void. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Oh, wow. Let's look at some examples of this. I had a whole bunch, but I think I'm going to pare that down because I really want to get to the last section here. So, I want you to think of Joseph, Old Testament son, um, one of the 12 patriarchs of the Israel nation, Joseph. He got a bit cocky, shall we say, a bit arrogant, had these dreams that he was going to be, um, everybody in his family was going to be bowing down to him, and he's like, huh, guess what, I had this dream, ha, 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 look what you're going to be doing, ha, ha, ha. They didn't like that. So basically, the short story is they sold him into slavery, and some gypsies picked him up and bought him and took him down to Egypt, and he ended up in jail, right? I've skipped over a bit of it, but he's ended up in jail. But God's favor was still on him. God's word had come out that he was going to be doing something. God's word, just like we were talking about in Isaiah 55, his word came out about Joseph, that he was going to be doing something and he, all of his family was going to bow down to him. And that actually happened. The king brought him out of the jail after a couple of years and he became the prime minister of all of Egypt. He, be, he was... Second or third in command, second in command, second or third in command of all of Egypt underneath Pharaoh. There was nobody else higher than him. And this, this Jewish man in a foreign country got put all the way to the top where he could make decisions because of what God said, because of what God decreed. God, that could not be put down, that could not be. Um, diverted from at all. Amen? And he ended up saving the Israeli nation because um, all of his brothers came down to get grain, which they had, they had gathered up in their years, the seven years of, of, of um, abundance. Amen? And then the, the whole family was reunited, and they ended up living in, in, in Egypt for a long time in, under the favor of God and under the favor of Pharaoh. The point here is that in the natural, it looked really bad for Joseph. He gets, um, he gets sold into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house, and he becomes the, kind of the master of that house and runs the house, and then the wife of Potiphar basically lies about him and says that he tried to come on to her, and he gets put in jail, and then the king, and then the pharaoh brings him out. He can't be stopped. It says here in Isaiah 55 at the very end of verse 11, it says, and, shall pro- and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. His word shall prosper wherever he sends it. It doesn't matter what it looks like in this world. His word shall prosper. He sh- his will shall happen in this world. It does not matter what it looks like. Think of Mary and Joseph. 
Mary, um, uh, an angel came to Mary and said that you're going to um, be of child by the Holy Spirit and you're going to call him Jesus. Didn't say anything to Joseph at this point. Joseph is kind of in the dark at this point, right? But you see, for Jesus to take his rightful place on the throne for eternity, he had to be of the line of David. And without Joseph in the picture, that would not have happened. Right? And Joseph was thinking, we read, we read it many times in, in the Bible at Christmas time. Joseph was, was thinking, okay, you know what? I'm just going to quietly divorce her and we'll go our separate ways and everything will be okay. But it couldn't happen like that. It couldn't happen like that. So God, his will was going to happen. He sent angels to speak to Joseph and convinced Joseph that he had to take Mary as his wife and continue the line of David so that Jesus could be the rightful heir to that, the throne that will reign forevermore. You see, if Joseph had decided, no, I'm, just gonna, I'm still going to go my way and, and not marry um, Mary, Mary, <laughs> it, it would not have worked that way. In Jewish culture, the line to the throne had to come through the male. So even though he wasn't technically the father, because he was still the line of David, and Mary was a line of David as well, Jesus could become the throne. There's a whole lot more to that that I won't explain, but you get the point that Joseph had a choice there to walk away from this, and it would have stopped what God had, but God, God had a plan that was not going to be stopped, and he was able to speak to Joseph and show, open his eyes to what was going on. So that Mary and Joseph got married and came together as a couple. And Jesus is now on the throne forevermore. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let's turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10, starting in verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me. No man can take Jesus' life from him. That's what he's saying. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He received this commandment from his Father. Okay, so this is setting the stage for the next scripture that we're going to look at. And it actually goes back to, to chapter 8. So basically what he said here is that no man can take my life until I choose to give it up. And I'm only going to give it up when the, when the Father tells me it's time for me to give it up. That's what he's saying here. Okay? Everybody with me? Good. Even though I can't hear you. John 8 and verse 59. So Jesus has been talking and a whole bunch of um, 
the Pharisees and people that are against him, it says in verse 59 of chapter 8, it says, Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Okay, so let's just think about this scripture for a minute. He was with them talking, and they didn't like it. So as he's there with them talking, they pick up stones, ready to stone him. And then all of a sudden he decides, no, this isn't the time, and walks right through them and leaves. Unscathed. Amen? I only lay down my life when the Father tells me to lay down my life. Otherwise, I'm living. And he walked right through them. So let's, let's think about this for a minute. We've had testimonies this morning of people being healed. A number of testimonies of people being healed this morning. It says in the Bible that God sent his word and healed them. It also says in Isaiah that by his stripes we were healed. And it repeats that in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, 24. It says, by our stripes, we were healed in 2 Peter. So let's think about this. If he had gone through this crowd and they actually stoned him, yes, he would have died, but he hadn't taken those stripes yet. We would not have the healing that is promised to us by his stripes. If he had have died here. But he knew what his father said. And he, had, he knew through the power of the Holy Spirit that was on him. That no one could take his life until he laid it down. And so he walked right through them into his destiny of what the father wanted him to do. To take those stripes so that we can be healed. To be, lift, to be lifted up onto that cross and to die for our sins. And then to rise again to defeat death. That was what the Lord wanted, what the Father wanted him to do. So he was able to walk right through this confrontation here, unscathed, like he was in a cloak of something, a cone of silence, and <laughs> walk right through it. Are you with me? Amen? Of God. None of this can stop what God has for us. None of this can stop what God has for us. What anything the world tries to do will not stop what God has for this earth, for his Christians, for what he wants done on this earth. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so, how do we become part of this that can't be stopped? How can we become part of what God is doing that can't be stopped. What do we need to be doing to be part of this, of what God has to do on this earth that cannot be stopped by anything? Hmm. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. right after Philippians. Colossians chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 6. 
Colossians 2, verse 6, and it starts saying this. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, this is verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We are rooted and built up in him. If we've given our lives to him, we are rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. We are established in the faith. If we are rooted and grounded and built up in him, Amen. And then verse 8 says, we beware, once you've realized this, beware of any man to spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. Notice this is everything to do with the world. All the, the ideas, the, the restrictions, the fear of COVID-19, the fear of what the new uh, political regime is going to do in the United States, uh, you know, what social media is going to do and everything like that, right? after the traditions of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We are rooted and built up in him, and built up in him. After we have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Amen? Okay. Let's turn to Acts 17. We're going to bounce around here a bit. Acts 17, starting in verse 22. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, but him I declare unto you. Verse 24. God that hath made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. What that means is he dwells in us because we're not temples made by hands. We're not a structure. We're not a building like you see wrapped around us right here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. We are where he resides. Amen? Verse 25. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things. Verse 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed. God has determined the times before appointed. We read that in the Old Testament already. He has determined the end from the beginning. He has spoken it out and it will happen. Amen. And the bounds of their habitation. 27. They, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him. So they're looking for him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. God is not far from you. In fact, he's on the inside of you if you're a born-again Christian. And he's doing his work to will what he wants for you on this earth if you will let him. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 28. Here's where I want to get to. 
For in Him, in God, in Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we live and move and have our being. In Him, we have to be part of this, to be of God, we have to be in Him. For in Him, we live and move and have our being. In Him, we have the fullness of life. We have the satisfaction of a full life in Him. In Him, we have that. In Him, we have that. Mm. As certain also of our own poets, of your own poets, have said, for we are also his offspring. We are his offspring through Jesus Christ. We are his offspring. We are, his, we are the joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Mm. We are with him because he is in us. We can be part of what Gamaliel said that if, if it's, this is of God, nobody's going to be able to stop that. We can be part of that because in him, for in him we live and move and have our being. We have our being, we have our life, we have our sustenance because of him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, flip over to Ephesians 1. And we're going to start in verse 17. Okay, Ephesians 1 verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. God wants to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can be of God and that you can rise above everything that's happening in this world, through this world. He wants to give you a spirit of revelation and, wi and wisdom to rise above it in the knowledge of him. And here's why. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope, that excuse me, the confident expectation of his calling on your life. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Do you believe? Amen. He should be saying yes right now. According to the working of his mighty power, which he brought into Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living on the inside of us right now. Right at this very moment, that same power that took a dead, lifeless Jesus, brought him back to life, and raised him up to seat him at the right hand, is in you right now. Of God. Above, notice what that last verse says, far above principalities, things of this world, 
principalities and spirits of this world, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Far above, that power is far above that. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He is the name above every name. I often quote of Philippians 2, 7-11, which is where we're going to next. But this is the reason right here that we can have Philippians 2, 7-11. We can stand on Philippians 2, 7-11. It's because of this right here. That because of what, what God did through Jesus, rose him up, put that power in him to rise him up from the dead, that same power is on the inside of us. We have that power and authority over every name that is in this world. We have that power and authority over Democrat thinking. We have that power and authority over social media clampdowns. We have that power and authority over healing. We have over sickness. We have that power and authority over everything. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians 2. Starting in verse 7. But he, but made himself of no reputation. This is talking about Jesus. It says, but he made himself of no reputation. In the Amplified it says, but he stripped himself of all of his privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. That's verse 7 in the Amplified. It says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's stop here for a second. He humbled himself. In the world... The word humble, some people, a lot of people say it, see it as a bad word, that you basically have to give up all of your rights and, and, become, and become under someone who isn't going to treat you nice or something along those lines. It, it, it has a very negative connotation. But here we see that Jesus humbled himself to, the, to his father. He humbled himself to his father. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, if you can humble yourself, it means that you trust them. You trust that person with your life. You trust that person with your life. We were actually talking about this in men's group yesterday. And the example that I use is if you're, nobody's not, nobody is, so, but hear me out. If you're in the mafia, okay, and you're having a conversation with someone, and it isn't particularly going well, but you've humbled yourself, you've trusted them. What that means is that even though you may have had words or a, a disagreement or something like that, you can turn your back and you can walk away trusting that you know you won't get shot in the back. That's trust. Do you trust God like that? That you can trust him with every aspect of your life. That you can trust him with every aspect of your life. That's what Jesus did. 
Jesus trusted him, his father, that even though he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to have victory through God, his father, through that power that we were just talking about in Ephesians 1, 17. That prayer there, up to 21, that God was going to do what he said he would do and, and raise Jesus up in victory and seat him at the right hand of God. Verse 9, wherefore God has highly exalted him. Notice that happened after he humbled himself. After he decided to fully trust God, God then exalted him. Amen? And given him a name which is above every name. We just read that in Ephesians 1. We just read that. The same thing here. He's given Jesus a name that is above every name. Above that list that I, I read out at the beginning of, my, of the sermon. He is the name above all of that. He is the name that has victory over all of that. Mm. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and of things under the earth. That encompasses everything that we can think of. That includes things in the heavens. That includes spiritual powers and authorities of this world. And it includes people that you're around. And it includes hell under the earth. It includes every aspect. We have the name above every single name that can bring down principalities, that, that can set people free from demonic oppression, that can heal them. <coughs> Excuse me. Amen? Verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How did this happen? This happened because he chose to humble himself and trust God, that God would exalt him in due time. So we have to assess ourselves. Have we humbled ourselves? Do we trust him? In every area of our life. I'm still working on changing my eating habits. So that I can maintain the weight that I want to and not go up and down and up and down and up and down. This is an area of my life where I have to choose to humble myself to God and trust him that he's going to work that out in my life that I'm able to not have eating influence my life so that my weight keeps going up and down and up and down and it can settle at the weight that I know that the Lord wants me to get to and stay there. It's, he cares about every aspect of your life. Every aspect, every minute detail. And he's, when you're talking to him about it, he's like, oh, they're talking to me about that again? Really? No. He's like, great, they're talking to me about that again. That means they want to do something about it. Here I am. Let me do something about it. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. That's almost at the end of the Bible. It is right after James, if you've hit James. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 5. Verse 5, in chapter 5, says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, 
all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. That's a powerful statement. It says that he resists the proud. In my own example, me trying to deal with my own eating issues is me being proud. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. If I think that I can do better than God in controlling my eating, it means that I'm proud. Selah. Stop and think about that. But he also gives grace to the humble. Those who trust him with all of those aspects of their life, with every area of their life, he gives grace to them, to the humble. Then look at verse 6. So, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Choose to trust Him with every aspect of your life. That He may exalt you in due time. That He may exalt you in due time. If you humble yourself and choose to trust Him, He's going to deal with that in your, in your life. And he, when we have the patience to trust him, we're left not wanting, the Bible says. What that means in plain modern English is that if we choose to trust God, to humble ourselves and to trust him, and to have patience in that process as he works through us and works in us, or if we're believing for something in our lives and we choose to trust him and have that patience that he's going to do that perfect work, what that means is we choose to have patience that he is going to bring to life what he promised us, what he's put on our heart. We've used many times the example of our house. We had to have patience. It was at least five years that we were waiting for our house, but we had that patience and through that patience, we were blessed magnificently beyond our imagination of what we thought up of, of, our, of, our, of our house could be for us. He, had, he left us not wanting anything. Not wanting anything. Because we were of God in the process. He was far above. He didn't, he didn't look at the market and because the market was going crazy and prices were just going up while we were looking for a house. But we got a house at the price that we wanted to pay for a house. And he's still, and thinking that in the world sinking, you're thinking that, well, then you're going to have to make some compromises and, and, and not get what really what's on your heart, but make some compromises and say, okay, well, this will do. No, didn't even come close to that. Didn't even come close to that. What the, the realtors were saying to us and and what the world was saying, what the market was saying, we rose above that because God had a purpose for us to have a house that would bless us beyond our imagination, beyond anything that we could experience. Because we chose to humble ourselves, we chose to trust Him, and He exalted us in due time. Amen? Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So if you've chosen to humble yourself, you've chosen to trust him. You've chosen to throw it all at him. He, that's when you can cast your cares with, with um, wild abandonment. 
and know that he, not only is he going to take care of them, but he's going to bless you in the process. He's going to rise you above the things of this world and help you to see spiritually what he's doing. He's not, he's not concerned about what's happening in this world. And we can be part of it if we choose to humble ourselves, to trust in him, to hear that language, to hear what he's saying to us. Shlaine. To hear what he is saying to us. We can walk in that power and authority that he has on this earth. We can walk in what Gamaliel said at the, at the beginning of my sermon, that if this is of God, it cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Oh, hallelujah. Bethany, do you have that list of the things that... Um, the church accomplished during 2019 on your phone? This, I'm going to have Bethany come up here, and she's going to read out this list. This list, we've, we've mentioned it before on, uh, on live stream, um, but this is an example that God had a plan for 2019, even though the COVID-19 pandemic was going on. What's that? Oh, 2020, right. We're in 2021 now, aren't we? Oh, dear. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. <laughs> Come up, sweetie. This is an example of what I've been talking about. God didn't stop. He wasn't sidetracked by COVID-19 in 2020. He had a plan for Celebration Life Church. He had a purpose for us of things to happen during through this church he wanted things to happen through this church during 2020 that did not stop because of COVID-19 amen uh, Pastor Gwen and Doreen went to California to minister before everything got shut down the pastor's table um, God gave Pastor Gwen the idea for the pastor's table and ever all the equipment needed for that was purchased and filming started Pastor Gwen filmed um, for History Maker University courses and created courses and all that went along that with that. Uh, we got a new stage and a new backdrop. Uh, Zoom uh, Bible College um, for Africa, uh, Pastor Gwen and Pastor Jason did that. Uh, the first Bible school graduation for the CLC um, Life Bible School happened earlier in the year. Um, started built, built together nights and pastor gwen had her 60th birthday we started live streaming to more locations than we were ever able to before we brought in remote guests on live stream so that people who weren't in the country could join us for church and uh, we started podcasts we got a drum shield we joined in the global prayer initiative and so many other things that he brought together over the past year like Pastor Neil's been saying, his plan isn't stopped by the circumstances of the world. Awesome, thank you. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? God is not phased by the political situation in the United States. He's not phased by the political situation in Canada. He's not phased by COVID-19. He is not phased by by the mucky mucks at social, in social media that want to clamp down on certain things and, and take, take uh, certain apps off of their, their um, 
app store or whatever it's called, he's not phased by any of that. He is not phased by any of that. He is not phased by any of that. And if we are in him, if we've chosen to humble ourselves before him and to trust him, we don't have to be phased by that. We just have to sit, we just have to take time to hear him, spend time with him, listen to him. Because he has a plan for your life no matter what's going on in this world. And he has a way to make it happen. Did you hear me? He has a way to make it happen. It may not be the way that you think it's going to happen. Our house didn't come to us the way that we thought it was going to happen. It wasn't the house that we thought that we were going to get. But it was the house that God had for us that blessed us beyond imagination. God had a plan for my life when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis back in 2006. It didn't change God's plan for my life because I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It just gave me an opportunity to experience His healing. Glory be to God. And me to continue on with what He has in my life. And to grow in Him. And to be released from that. To walk in wholeness. Not just healing, but wholeness. Hallelujah. Pastor Jason, you have something? Oh, you're playing. Okay. You're a bit far from the drums to play, just to let you know. (laughs) Praise God. Oh, praise God. I realize I've gone over time, but this, it, this was just so big in my heart that it was so important to get this out. Don't be phased by what you see in this world, but trust Him because He will rise you above it. He will rise you above it. Remember, He is the name above every name. We live in that name. We breathe in that name. And we rise above it. Because of him in us. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327. Or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139, 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.